0: The self-helpful podcast is brought to you by Ziegler, your premier source for equipping coaches to help leaders and top performers excel professionally and personally visit Ziggler.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance.
1: So the typical boss employee sort of relationship is I tell you what to do. You do it. We're good. Right. And Really, if you want the best culture, what if, let me just ask this question what if you ask your team members what their dreams and goals were? Just people knowing that you care about their personal life is a start. But a lot of leaders and managers and business owners are afraid to do that because if I start, like, you know, paying attention to my employees and helping them uh, they're going to be too friendly with them, then they're going to want to take advantage of me. Yeah. And, and that is a concern, but what's the alternative <laughs> working with strangers, working with people who don't even know each other, don't even like each other.
0: I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely.
2: This episode
0: is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. Welcome to the Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and today we are talking about something that is really just vital it's community, and specifically the power it has. For our lives and the handicap that we have without it. This is actually a special installment in place of our normal Q and a show on Fridays, but we had a chance to talk with Howard Partridge on his new book called the power of community, how phenomenal leaders inspire their teams, wow, their customers And make bigger profits. But this is a book that I am stating is valid and vital for anyone and everyone, literally, especially the listeners of this show. And the book is just about to come out. So we just wanted to be timely and let you guys know about it. I just spent time in Nashville, Tennessee at a Ziegler event with Howard and got a copy right from his hand. Uh, we are suffering as a culture by being so uber-connected digitally, but really more and more so under-connected personally with those real relationships that matter. Well, the book comes out January twenty fifth, two thousand eighteen. You can pre-order it now if you're hearing it before then at Howard Partridge, P A R T R I D G E, Partridge. dot com slash community. Whenever you're hearing about this, you can get it at howardpartridge.com or of course, anywhere you buy your books. But when I asked him what the catalyst was for his devotion to this topic, for writing this book and, and and really spearheading this message, he cited it was his church or it was just church in general and the lack of real community and relationship that is there. So really interesting. You'll hear more about that in the show. If you don't know Howard, uh, the guy knocked it out of the park in business. He's now an international business coach with coaching members in over 100 industries and nine Countries. He's the best selling author of seven books. We've had him on the show before, and he's the exclusive business coach, or his organization is for the Zig Ziglar Corporation. Uh, Howard has a, an incredible story. I mean, the guy grew up on welfare in Mobile, Alabama, left home at 18, arrived in Houston, Texas, where he lives today, or lives part time there, part time in Florida, but he arrived there on a Greyhound bus with only 25 cents in his pocket started his first business out of the trunk of his car over 33 years ago and built it into a multi million dollar enterprise. He's owned nine small businesses altogether and owns four companies at the time of this recording. He's the proud president of phenomenal products Inc, which helps leaders and business owners inspire their teams using the power of community. So there you go. That's the preface. I'm going to take you right now to my interview with Howard on this vital topic. All right, Howard. Well, in digging into this book on community, when was it that the concept, the power, the enigma of community really hit you? When did you first, it was it was an aha moment that uh, got the profoundness that led us to now.
1: It absolutely was. Actually, uh, although the book is not about church, it actually happened as a result of church. You know, I would go to church every Sunday and um, you know, the message was nice, and the pastor had a great message, sometimes very inspirational, but I noticed that people were pretty much the same, you know, week after week. There really wasn't a lot of change, and then I I went to a Tuesday night home group, right, and here we had a small group of people meeting in a living room where, you know, one had a word, one had a song, one had a psalm, you know, Kenny was playing his guitar. One person was sharing. We were collecting money for someone to fix her car. Um, someone was babysitting my son in the other room. And I, I, I realized that there was this sense of community happening. And that's kind of what started me on the journey.
0: Okay. Well, not to deviate too far onto the church realm there, but I am curious. I have always struggled. I've grown up and always been involved with traditional church. I've always struggled with exactly that. Has that led you to, do you still attend a traditional church and then do this type of community with that group on the side? Or have you found another uh, platform for church that does integrate that?
1: Yeah, it was interesting because what happened shortly after that is God led me to a couple of guys who were the pioneers in the cell church movement, and I spent uh, 20 years uh, working with those guys, Dr. Ralph Neighbor Jr. and uh, Bill Beckham, and uh, in fact, the the first time I heard the word community associated with all this was from Dr. Neighbor. and we did these cell groups, and I learned that the largest churches in the world were cell group churches, and And a cell is like the human body is made up of cells that, uh, grow and multiply and sometimes die for the, the, the result of life. But it's all about giving life. And, uh, and so we go to a traditional church now. And the interesting thing is, is that we have some small groups, but I travel so much. And that's part of our challenge today with technology and Mm -hmm. travel and all that is that, uh, we can't be as connected in person as we would like to be. And, uh, but I just love small groups. So we started doing it in our business coaching and uh, in our company and, and getting people in a circle. And it's just it's amazing what happens when when you do that.
0: Well, maybe we should start the new Zoom church where people can meet together wherever they are, whenever they are.
1: Yes, yes. And then once a quarter, get them together in person because <laughs> I do have a saying that, you know, although I'm not anti-tech, I love tech. I love the fact uh, we do our small groups on Zoom, right, in our business coaching. and uh, But there's one thing that I can't do with you right now that when I yes. see you in Nashville – I'm going to give you a big hug, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. so I say this, that a virtual community is an oxymoron. All that, that sounds a little bit bad, but the, the point is is that people are starving for real relationships because you know we're so hooked into our phones and digital that sometimes, um, I don't know about you, but sometimes I catch myself, I'm more into my phone than I am the person that I love right there in the same room. Yeah, you know, and that's becoming a real problem in our society today.
0: Absolutely. Well, so to hit off from a big level, I'm going to read right from your book, uh, a piece and then ask a question. And you have every human being has a longing for belonging. We all want to feel loved, accepted and validated. We want to feel that our lives matter deep down. We want to belong to something bigger than ourselves. We want to make a positive difference. Today we are more connected as you just said digitally than ever before yet we often feel more isolated and disconnected personally than ever. Okay so when I read that it what came to mind is our good buddy Mark Tim Mm -hmm. in him talking about family and parenting and influencing our kids. And his statement was somebody or something, if we don't influence our children, we don't lead them, somebody or something else will, such as media or school or or whatever. So in this light, is it fair to say that if we don't proactively create or get involved in a community that we want to uh, ourselves, that we will, uh, we will fall into a community, whether it's the, the wrong crowd or, or something uh, lesser than what we'd like, or even a virtual community where we feel that belonging, but it's, well, I guess it would be artificial.
1: Right. Well, and that's the thing. And that's really what's happened on social media is that we're getting uh, so addicted to our likes and, and numbers and those kinds of things and uh, unfortunately the way that we live today our kids uh, who don't live like you live and live intentionally uh, like Mark Tim is, is doing uh, with his family is we're disconnected We're just not uh, as involved in one another's lives as you know everybody would would like to be I mean at the end of the day everybody wants exactly what you just said. But it's it's difficult to do it with our fragmented uh media driven life. And so we do have to be intentional about it. This book really is more about how to do that in your company because mm-hmm. you're taking people who are accustomed who are really being influenced by media and really connected digitally but are disconnected at work. And of course I cite the ongoing Gallup poll that 70% of American workers are disengaged, 18% are actively disengaged. That's not getting getting any better and it's not going to get any better the more digital that we go. Uh, I was in um, Clearwater, Florida and I was on the 10th floor and I was having coffee in the morning before I went down to teach a seminar and I looked down there. It was early in the morning and there were a few people going out to the beach and I noticed this employee that was uh, down there uh, and she was supposed to be washing off the sidewalk, right? And the reason that I knew that is that she uh, had the hose in her left hand, and I knew she was right-handed because she had her phone in her right hand, right? And uh, she's holding the hose, trying to keep it in place, and she's doing whatever she was doing on her phone, and the hose kept straying into the bushes, right? Mm-hmm. And then she would realize it and bring it back there. And meanwhile, all these people were walking out to the beach that needed umbrellas and chairs and, you know, suntan lotion and whatever. And the the fact is, is that she was disengaged from her work. And the reason for that is that leaders, managers, business owners uh, are still stuck in the old uh, method of, quote unquote, managing that doesn't work anymore instead of, command and control, leaders need to understand that they're a coach and it's called care and coach rather than, rather than um, command and control. And so this book is really all about how to engage that person that's so interested in their phone because their work doesn't really have any meaning. It really comes back to us as leaders creating the right environment. And the whole book is really about how to create a, an, an environment of community in your company through the three keys that I talk about in the book.
0: Well, and I, I don't want to get to those. And we do have here in the Ziegler show audience, a, a, a lot, maybe even a majority of business owners, people who are, are doing their own thing, even if they are solopreneurs and hiring other people, they still have a team. Uh, But I do want to speak or I want you to speak on that because for the folks who are listening who are employees, I don't want them to miss this and want you to speak to how can they embrace this in their work when they don't feel that they are in a place of leadership to instigate that.
1: Yeah, well, it's a great question. In fact, uh, what I did in the book is um, one of the parts of the book is how to do small groups have a specific Uh, Methodology for small groups that I actually learned from Doctor Neighbor and Bill Beckham over all those years of doing small groups. I probably did small groups for 20 years, and um, well, maybe 25 years now. But um, what we do in our company is every week, instead of having a traditional stand-up meeting where the owner or the manager stands up and speaks to the group, is we meet in circles. I call them pods, and Tom Ziegler and I also do this in our business coaching where we have weekly uh, weekly pods. Of course, they're on Zoom like this. They're not in person. But they, then when we have conferences, we put them at round tables to create that sense of community. So what employees can do is encourage their, uh, their uh, leader, manager, their boss, whoever, the business owner, to embrace this concept. And the reason I call them pods is because that stands for the power of discovery systems. And what happens is uh, today more than ever, people are a little bit uh, resistant to authority because authority has been misused. And uh, they've got so much information at their fingertips. If I tell you something, your natural uh, response might be, "Uh, I don't know. Let me go research that. And certainly there's this, you know, you're not the boss of me, even if you are the boss of them, right? And so uh, these groups, what happens is you can stand up there and talk to them all day long. They're not going to retain most of it. They're not going to live most of it out. But when they have a part in creating it through these small groups I call pods, then there's this uh, this engagement that happens that's just amazing, and so what I do in the book is I give a, um, I have a link where they can uh, go to that particular link and download a leader's guide where they can do these small groups in their companies, and everybody goes through the book together. Right. And that's what my company, uh, when I wrote the book, my company has gone through that process. And it's a tremendous amount of engagement. Everybody can understand this idea of community and understand the keys of of uh, making it happen in their company and everybody's in on it.
0: Before we drill in on, on some of that, I do want to ask another, just kind of a high level question. Cause when you're talking about engagement at work and being part of a tight knit, uh, community and, and pod, as you're talking about with, you know, with intimacy and vulnerability and all the things that make a good relationship in that, We are also, and you know this as well or better than I do, people in the workplace, we have more and more people who are disengaged from their work and even disengaged from whatever the end product or service uh, that they're doing. Now, I mean, you've got businesses where people are, are, they're right there first person with a lot of their clients, but we have folks in the big high rises and they're not, they're not connected. Some are involved with products or services they don't care about. Is there a place for somebody who's hearing this message to step back and say, you know what, I may need to, I may need to look at where I'm, regardless of the people, even to some degree, look at what I am engaging into. If I want this community, I need to be involved with something where I do have a care for the end product or service.
1: Yeah. So the, the interesting thing is, is that many times the actual product or service itself may not be what uh, people really engage with. And a good example of that is Chick-fil-A. I was at a training, and Mark Miller, who uh, uh, does a lot of writing, he's um, with uh, with uh, Chick-fil-A. I think he's the chief operating officer, or he was. He wrote The Secret of Teams and some other, other things. And he made this shocking statement during the training. He said, uh, Chick-fil-A uh, has a new... Um, vision of how we're going to position ourselves and uh, we're going to create a sense of community inside of our our company. And I thought, interesting. So what happens is uh, here you have um, Dan Cathy, multi-billion dollar uh, company, yet he has teenagers, which are the ones who are supposedly, you know, stuck on these phones that you know don't care about anybody but themselves saying yes sir no sir my pleasure right Mm -hmm. and they enjoy this sense of community because they know that the service that they're providing with a chicken sandwich with fast food is making a difference in that person's life that day in fact they do some really cool things a couple things that i cite in the book is uh they have a blog called the chicken wire i think it is and Um, One of their franchisees, which that's another uh, piece of this, is that their franchisees, their owners, um, have a really solid relationship with leadership, right? They keep this intact all the way down. So this is not just for small businesses like I work with, but um, one of the owners decided to create something called uh, a daddy-daughter date night. Right, And they put fresh flowers on the table and you bring your daughter in for dinner. So cool. Um, Another guy uh, developed something called the chicken coop, where when you come into the Chick-fil-A, they have these little boxes called the chicken coop and everybody puts their device in the box. And if you don't touch your device during uh, the meal, you ring this little bell and everybody gets a free ice cream. (laughs) Nice. Beautiful. I mean, isn't that just a simple way to do it? So it doesn't matter the size of your company. In fact, I also cite in uh, the book, there's, uh, you know, when you look at uh, Scrum, those are small groups that do projects like Amazing. There are some large companies that are um, organized into smaller groups. I even found out through my cell church experience that the largest churches in the world are cell churches, cell group churches, because there's no way to put... Five hundred thousand people in one building, right, right. and uh, so that 's a way that it 's not only a way to keep people engaged but it 's also a way to create building blocks
0: well so in this the the creating aspect of community, you say it uh, it can be done, but it doesn 't happen naturally. The only way to get there is to intentionally. Create it. It will be challenging, but will be worth it as you'll have something very few companies have. When I read that statement, it hearkened to us talking here in the Zillow Show a lot about sales, okay? Doing good sales, being salespeople. And we have that, it feels like we're always battling that perspective people tend to have that, oh, salespeople are born, right? They're the outgoing people. They can just resonate with folks. Uh, they're people persons. And and we know that the it's that's not true. They're not born they are created and it feels like in this again it's not dependent on you're saying it's not dependent on having a charismatic uh people person leader this if this is going to happen well it has to be intentionally created which is why you've given us the book to give us and to give those especially who may this isn't a comfortable comfortable area for them to follow
1: right well, and being highly charismatic might even be a detriment because someone typically who's highly charismatic has a lot to say, and you're not going to build community by talking. You're going to build community by listening, and so I um, outline in the book uh, three keys we can talk about if you want to, and then uh, in the book, which I don't really have time to go into here on this, uh, this uh, podcast today. But I outlined six steps that they can take, and it does take time, but it simply starts with a quote that we're both very familiar with, and that's Zig Ziglar's quote, if you can have everything in life you want, if you just help enough other people get what it is that they want. So that one switch uh, changed my business life, and uh, Tom and I work with a lot of business owners that um, it has changed their perspective about employees. So the typical boss-employee sort of relationship is, I tell you what to do, you do it, we're good, right? Mm -hmm. And really, if you want the best culture, what if, let me just ask this question, what if you ask your team members what their dreams and goals were, and you help them with resources, whether that's information, maybe they want to get out of debt, so you turn them on to Dave Ramsey, right? Uh, maybe they want to get healthy, so you turn them onto some health program or you bring in, you know, somebody who, you know, could do some nutritional classes or whatever. You know, Matthew Kelly wrote a book called The Dream Manager. And just people knowing that you care about their personal life is a start. But a lot of leaders and managers and business owners are afraid to do that because if I start like you know, paying attention to my employees and helping them, uh, they're going to be too friendly with them, then they're going to want to take advantage of me. Yeah. And, and that is a concern. But what's the alternative? <laughs> working with strangers, working with people who don't even know each other, don't even like each other. You know, I heard someone once say you can love anybody once you get to know their story.
0: I, I, hey, I have experienced that in the past few years, getting involved in the health and wellness and medical community, the doctor-employee-patient relationship and seeing how that by proxy is taught, you know, even in medical school. And we have totally done away with it. And we have seen, of course, incredible, phenomenal results from that. But, yeah, there are some aspects, too, of, okay, th- we, we are still the boss. You know, there are some things there. And so we've, we've seen that. But, oh, my gosh, the benefits so dramatically outweigh Uh, anything else. Friends, before I ask Howard to walk through his three keys to community, I want to tell you about two amazing offers from Ziggler. exclusive to podcast customers you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit which is an additional $84 value so to get the special deal go to a-i-r-d-o-c-t-o-r-p-r-o.com use promo code kevin thankfully the days of building a business website then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone today shopify has fixed all that And I, I, I want to read them off here. The three keys to community. You have number one, support. Number two, encouragement. Number three, accountability. And in a minute, I am going to go through real quick or, or just mention those six steps. But on these, what I was curious about when, well, here here's a book, uh, The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, authored by Gary Chapman, the five love languages guy. And Paul, right? uh, we, inter- we interviewed them. Folks, you can go listen to it. It was show 474. And in there, they cited that the number one way companies tend to try to show appreciation is with gifts. And yet when surveyed, they found that that is the fifth, the least uh, place that employees actually feel appreciated. So we obviously have a big, big disconnect. So in this, in the companies that get this message of the power of community, what is a way that we as business owners tend to miss it. Uh, we tend to go about it. You yeah. We are there with the, with the law of it, but we're missing the spirit of it. How do we tend to do it poorly?
1: Yeah. So the thing is, is that, um, the, the leadership challenge, uh, series, uh, that was done by, um, I think it's Kuzas and Posner. I don't know exactly how to pronounce, uh, his, uh, the first guy's last name, but They've been doing this stuff for like 40 years, and for over a quarter of a century, they've been uh, polling and interviewing uh, both managers and employees. And managers that they uh, interview, if if you ask them, you know, what do your employees want, the first thing they say is they want more money, right? Mm -hmm. And while it's true that there might be a felt need of a lot of employees, especially, you know, after tax and, and how much things cost, The truth is, is that when they surveyed employees, now this, Kevin, this is research for over 25 years, quarter of a century. It hasn't changed a bit. The number one thing is sincere and honest appreciation. One of the things that I've uh, learned is that uh, there are outgoing personalities. There are reserved personalities. Uh, We do a lot of training in the DISC uh, model of human behavior, outgoing personalities, they like the recognition, be in the front of the room, but reserved personalities, uh, they would rather you give them a note of appreciation in private or talk to them in private. And I love the idea of the five love, love languages because we all have that uh, different language uh, that, that, that um, we, uh, we like to be uh, recognized with or appreciated with or, or loved on by. And yeah. so the first step is to get to know your people. You know mm-hmm. Kevin Turner, who is the chief operating officer of Microsoft. When he was there, he's one of the few people that worked directly with uh, Bill Gates and Sam Walton. One of the few people on the planet that worked, you know, side by side with those two guys. You know, and uh, tremendous guy. And uh, he said that when he brought someone on his team, the first thing that he asked them is, "Tell me about your goals and dreams. Tell me mm-hmm. about your life." Then. When he introduced them to the team, they had a little 10-minute presentation called uh, Who Am I? And they would share uh, their goals, their dreams, their family. And, and so it really starts with, with caring enough about people to be interested enough in the people on your team. Now, you can't – I was doing a podcast. I was being interviewed by a guy yesterday who has 180 employees. You can't know 180 employees uh, personally, but you could use Gary Keller's uh, uh, model of the span of control. I think he, it was originally called, but but you know you can uh, only report uh, or have five to seven people and be effective in, in delegating those five to seven people. Right? That's your leadership group. That's your community, and then you have to have leaders who. Are effective facilitators that can know their groups and seriously you could take 180 people and if they're all uh organized into groups like that you could have this sense of community and someone in that company knows you someone knows you they know your story you can't know everybody's story in your company i have a company that's turnkey i've got 33 employees over there i'm never there I can't know what's going on in everybody's life over there because I'm not even there. But the managers and my directors there, they can because they're with them every day. So that's always the first step is to really think about that person and understand that if I help them, if I support them, if they know that I care about them, then uh, they'll respond. And if they don't, then maybe they've been hurt too much or they don't care enough to respond, and so it's a way to build your culture. Some people may leave. Some people that that you know that kind of closeness might be uncomfortable for them. But the way that I set up the pods, uh, it doesn't get too deep too quick, and that's the other thing that takes time about building community. You have to start slow. You have to start uh, on the surface. And then it goes deeper over time. Uh, those three keys that I talk about and the five steps, they're built over time. Uh, relationships grow over time in steps.
0: OK, well, relationships, that's what I want to ask about next uh, in being involved with business, self-employment, my entire life, I am well aware. And we've talked about it here on the show that a lot of times people get the perspective that to be a business owner, to be an entrepreneur, to be self-employed, you are a certain type of person. You are outgoing. You are a risk taker. Uh, you are a people person probably, and you can sell and you can jive with people and, and all that. And I say, you know what? I think that's my experience is that's false. You just happen to hear from those people because we're the ones who are getting on the microphones and talking. The the sea of people over here who are not like that are running incredible businesses, but you're not hearing from them. So I want to speak to, I want you to speak to that. Uh, Those folks there who are incredible business owners, they are great at building a business, running a business, maybe managing a business, but they aren't as much of a people person. This is not a comfortable place. They would rather stay behind a closed door, run the business. And now you're calling them, you're talking about relationships and about true caring and being involved for those people where this is going to cause some discomfort, some anxiety. Your book, of course, is showcasing how you can create these. But for the relationship part alone, are there some resources or some directions you would give those folks where this, this is not a comfortable area?
1: Well, I think the five love languages is a great place to start, and I think also to understand that uh, even those people just maybe don't know how to uh, communicate. So it really does start with care, and I think deep down they probably do care. And if we don't, then we have to uh, we have to think about that. I had a guy that um, that I knew uh, back years ago who became a trainer, and he confessed to me one time. He said, I really love this technical stuff and he lo- and I love teaching it, but I don't really care about the people. You know, and I was like, You're not gonna be very successful. And uh sometimes it's a matter of just communicating because uh learning to communicate, because if I'm a reserved task-oriented type person, then I'm not gonna be the one out there, you know, on the front lines. But um but the thing is is that if if I can simply Take the first step, and that is in the best way I know how how uh, to let someone know I care about you, I support you, and open up a conversation with them. It starts with support. I mean, I could send you an email and say, "Hey, Kevin, I know that you're um, involved in the health industry now. Here's some information I think that'll help you." Anybody could do that, and you're going to appreciate that, right? And if I continue to support you, you're probably going to continue to support me. And as we build a stronger relationship, then we can move to the second level, which is encouragement. See, if I get on uh, Facebook and I uh, try to encourage you or motivate you and we have no basis of a relationship, well, who are you? You know, because the thing is, is I haven't invested in your life yet right? We don't know each other yet. So the support piece, everybody has gifts. And that's one of the things that I get into in the book. You have a gift, you have knowledge, you have resources, you have contacts. I have gifts, I have information, I have knowledge, I have contacts that we can begin to help each other, right? I talk about Tom in the book, because the second step under support is uh, to build champion connections, And all I did for Ziggler is I just supported them. I never asked for anything. I went and I had lunch with Tom and I helped them with resources. And I invited Zig to come speak at our conference. And I invited Tom to come speak and Julie. And I just just want to help you. And uh, because of what Zig had done in my life, right? And because of that, we built this relationship. And once you have that relationship on that level, then we can start to speak into one another's lives, right? I can encourage you and say, hey, Kevin, you know, maybe you're going through something right now and, and here's some things that, that I went through that might help you, right? Yeah. So support is helping people have the things that they wanna have, whether it's better health, more money, uh, better career, um, better position financially or whatever. Encouragement is helping people to do the things that they may be afraid to do. You know, you're afraid to make that sales call. Well, if I have a relationship with you, I can encourage you. And maybe I can get you to take that extra step. You know, Zig said that encouragement is the fuel on which hope runs, right? And so then once we get to that level, then and only then can we really have the proper accountability relationship. Too many managers and business owners try to hold people accountable without any relationship. In studying leadership for a quarter of a century, I can tell you without a doubt that, at the, in fact, uh, the guys that did the Leadership Challenge, which John Maxwell calls the greatest leadership book in the world, they say it as clear as day right in that book that above all, leadership is a relationship, period, end of story. And so if we can come to that level where we can truly speak into one another's lives, where I could say to you, Kevin, I don't think you're, you know, I, I don't know. I think you're better than that. I don't think that that was a good move on your, your part. I could, I could talk to you about your personal life and you could you could speak into my life. And I call those open-hearted encounters, right? And so what happens? Here's the powerful thing. What if you had a group that was at that level? that there was a group of people that could really speak into one another's lives, you know, and there are a few of us that because we've been in small groups, we've been in cell groups, we've been in maybe the right kind of Bible study or whatever that have been able to experience that and see the power of that and the breakthroughs that happen. Most people don't get to experience that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, on this aspect to continue in the relationship, I do want to real quick, uh, read your six steps to building community and then ask kind of a culminating question on that. You have number one, mm-hmm. value true community. Phenomenal leaders value others. Number two, pursue champion connections. Phenomenal leaders serve others. Number three, inspire emotional trust. Phenomenal leaders care for others. Number four, practice gift exchange. Phenomenal leaders develop others. 5 invite open hearted encounters which you just mentioned phenomenal leaders love others and build growth pods phenomenal leaders coach others so interestingly none of these have to do with the normal resume you know even at an executive or c level position of your acumen of your experiences of your skills often these these are not and here you're saying these are the primary six steps which brings us back to that this just doesn't happen it has to intentionally be done, but it really changes. If we're, if we're looking at this and believing what you've brought us, that community is so powerful to our work, to the success of our business. I mean, there's a lot to reorient around if we're going to do this.
1: Yeah. So let's just be like, let's just, let's just be real about this. Okay. Gallup poll, 70% of American workers are disengaged at the same time. Uh, CEOs are being hired for their technical skill and where everything is leveraged on short-term profits, okay, and that CEO comes in, cleans house, turns the numbers around or whatever. But the truth is if you read Jim Collins' work, if you uh, really look at the, the the best companies in the world um, – there are people who there's a level of caring for their team that is at the heart of it. Because the thing is, you can hire an employee, you can hire a CEO, you can hire anybody with technical work, but if they don't know how to to, uh, to coach someone else, they don't know how to serve someone else, they don't know how to build relationships, Where where is that going to go? You might get short-term profits and lose what is really valuable in your company, and that is your culture.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So one of the guys I really love to study is uh, Patrick Lencioni, and he wrote a book called The Advantage. And he said that organizational health, uh, organizational health trumps everything else in business. And a, a, a healthy organization is one where uh, there aren't agendas, there's open communication, there's healthy conflicts, so on and so forth. And uh, what I want to do is I want to stress the second part of these steps that you just mentioned because they're in everyday language. The uh, first part, you know, value, true community, pursue champion connections was through, uh, I got that, um, you know, that... um, language through just setting up the system, but really, you know, it starts with phenomenal leaders value others. What we mm-hmm. learn from Zig Ziglar is the inherent value of human beings, right? So how do I value other people? Do I see my my team members, do I see my employees as human resources, as a cog in the wheel of industry, or do I see them as a living, breathing, valuable human being? Yeah. So that's the baseline. All right. How I value people. And this is a uh, heart check for all leaders that are listening to this. How do you really value people? All right. Number two, phenomenal leaders serve others. And there's a lot out there on servant leadership. Well, yeah. if you value something, you're going to care for it. You're going to serve it. You're going to take care of it um, you know, our own children. Simon Sinek says that great leaders are like loving parents, you know, and, you know, you have children and you value them, you serve them, you protect them, you, you know, you help them. Now you hold them accountable too, because if you enable them or you don't pay attention to them, you know, then what's going to happen, right? So then we move into encouragement and, uh, encouragement is, uh, phenomenal leaders uh, care for others. I can value you and I can um, serve you. I can give you money, give you information, but care goes a lot deeper, right? And uh, we look at our own personal relationships. I can say, yes, I love you. I value you. Honey, I've been married for 33 years and, and uh, you know, honey, I care about you. But really what's going to show her that I care about her is I serve her in her language. And uh, one of her top love languages is service, right? But do you really care and protect and encourage? Uh, So that would be uh, the next one. And then uh, number four, practice gift exchange. Phenomenal leaders develop others. I think this is a huge area that that business owners and leaders really miss out on. You know, I'm not going to invest in all that training. I'm not going to invest in, in, having Dave Ramsey has a meeting every Monday morning with over 500 employees. Can you imagine how much that costs?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing.
1: And people who uh, send their people to training happen to be the companies that are very successful. And, You know, a lot of people talk about how much training costs. I love what Zig used to say about that. He said, let me ask you a question. Would you rather train someone and lose them or would you rather not train them and keep them? Pretty good question, isn't it? It is. (laughs) So we have to develop people. And one of the things that I've seen is that leaders and managers uh, and business owners, they practice what I call observational management. And this is the problem, you know, just uh, just hiring for skill alone. Uh, the fact is you can teach the skill, you can't teach attitude. But I call it observational management. So we hire somebody and then we stand back like this and, and watch them. Well, they did this and they did that and they don't do this well and they don't do that well. Well, did you train them? Leadership, <laughs> Leadership just by the very nature of the word means you're out front somewhere, right? You're leading. You're not following from behind and saying you didn't do this right or you didn't do that right. So we have to develop people. And then it gets into the accountability. And accountability is um, helping people become the person that they want to be. Support is helping people have the life they want to have or have what they want to have. Encouragement is helping people do the things that they're, maybe they're afraid to do. And accountability is helping them become the person that they really want to be. They, they, You know, most people want to be a better person, and that requires love. And when you get that kind of relationship where uh, someone loves you enough to tell you the truth, that's love. And, of course, uh, telling the truth in love is one of the best ways that we can serve someone but today in social media you know if you try to correct someone or give someone advice on social media get ready for the the -hmm. backflow right Mm -hmm. and get 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 ready for a fight but if you and i have a relationship where we've invested in one another then you can speak into my life i had a Conversation with one of my early mentors, actually Ralph Neighbor himself, and uh, I was growing my business. I had two partners, and you know we we just had different visions on how uh, the business should be run. And and I had started another business and wasn't paying enough attention, and and I was having all these challenges with my business partners. And I went to see my mentor, and um, he listened to me for a good hour. And finally, at the end of it, he goes, Howard, I I think that you're suffering from the fear of rejection. I was like.
2: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app.
1: what? I'm one of the most confident people that I know. He said, no, it's true. He said, you don't want to face reality with them. You're dancing around the issues because if they quit, then you're going to have to do everything that they, they're doing. And as he unpacked it, I realized that he was telling me the truth. Then he says, and what's worse is that you're playing God and that's the sin. I was like, okay, you want to unpack that one? <laughs> <laughs> wow. He said, you think that you're their provider, right? Because I'd created the business systems and all that. And that will take a lot of pressure off of a business owner right there is to understand that you're not, you can't be responsible for someone else's happiness. You have to create the environment where people can engage, but you can't make anybody happy, right? They have to do their work. So we have to love them enough to tell them the truth. And uh, then uh, finally is uh, building growth pods. Uh, Phenomenal leaders coach others, and really what a pod is, is more of a group coaching session. And that's one of the things I learned from Kevin Turner uh, when he was at Microsoft was that uh, a leader is a coach helping a person get from where they are to where they want to be. And I think that's one of the best definitions of leadership is, um, you know, you're a player on my team and I'm your coach and, and let's have a good open conversation about where you're at right now, where you want to go, where you want to be and how, how do we get you there?
0: Well, so in this and you hit this really well in the book and I you mentioned Simon Sinek, the why. Uh, so uh, again, I'll reference my health and wellness industry and in- involvement that in there, let's just talk about exercise. I think we look at that and go, why, come on, why are we exercising like crazy? Why is that such a big thing? You know, my, my grandparents, they didn't exercise back then. And, and I say, absolutely. Uh, my grandfather had no need for exercise. His life was exercise. He was a farmer. He went out and he moved and he stressed his muscles and he got his heart rate up. And now today we don't need to. We can get in our car, in the garage, hit the garage opener. It does that. Walk, uh, park in the parking garage, hit the elevator, go up go to our desk, repeat that on the way home and never, we could do that from a hospital bed, you know? And so we have to manufacture this exercising to do what should it be, should be done naturally, but we don't have to today. So in that you talk about it exactly in that same reference point of community community. We had to do that. We had to rely on the other people, especially for information. We needed other people. And now today we have our devices. We have the internet. We have so much that we can be self uh, independent. We can be independent to such a degree that we don't need it. And it feels like you're calling us back to, yes, we have to manufacture this because it is not, it's not as natural as it used to be. Yes.
1: Yeah. So I have a whole chapter in the book on how we lost community. Now. Not everybody agrees that in America that we really had this sense of community, but the fact is is that at the turn of the twentieth uh, century, more people lived in uh rural communities than they did in big cities and Once all these people started living in these cities together, all of a sudden I'm living next to strangers I'm locking my door, you know I'm putting dead bolts on the door and and There's this fear, and and so then we had the Industrial Revolution, and then uh, we had television where, where, um, where live TV is coming into our living room, and it just so happened that at that time, we had the Civil Rights Movement, we had Vietnam, we had the assassination of JFK, and literally, if you watched, my opinion, if you watched the PBS special of the Vietnam War, and you watch it closely, you'll see that this country changed from 1965 to 1969 and we've never recovered, right? Mm-hmm. And so there was this perfect storm, this perfect conversion um, of uh, events that that took place and um, we've never recovered from that and it's getting worse because now social media amplifies everything. You don't even know what the truth is anymore, Right. We need each other, we need community, and we can start in the one place that's left, other than our own families, the one place in society that's left where we can do this is small business, right? You you can do it in corporate on your, your teams too. But um, there's a lot of uh, issues and structures and, and, and boundaries in corporate America that makes it a little bit more difficult to do because uh, the truth is, is that in order for true community to emerge, uh, the, the folks that belong to that group have to have the same vision and values. And the truth is, is that today, even as a country, we're very divided but um, the the point of all that is, is that we we were created to need one another, and today we don't need one another. And the bad news that I have for the audience is what you and probably many of them already know is that it's going to get worse with uh, with uh, artificial intelligence, virtual reality, and all of that. It's uh, I pay attention to the the, the commercials that are on the other day. I heard that Alexa can help you get dressed. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you just tell Alexa, what should I wear today? And she'll uh, pull up all the, uh, you know, I guess, uh, I don't know. I haven't tried it yet, but you might, she'll probably give you some ads of, you know, where to go shopping too. (laughs) But nothing, the point is, is nothing can replace real relationships. Yeah. And we have to well, so,
0: about that. So I want to ask you, you know, as you talk about the cultural change, and we look at some of the reasons why, with with media, with our our, our electronic devices and such. And I'll have us, uh, I'll have us, and I'll let you preach a little bit because I would venture to say that, know, um, yeah, we have an enemy out there. Uh, us us Christian believing folks, an enemy, and this is what he wants. And looking at the why behind this, I think it's not just happenstance. There is a battle going on. And through this, it feels like you are calling us to take up arms and bring back what you just said. We are made, we are, you said we are created to need. That's right.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I personally believe, and as a believer, and this is. You know, and again, I'm not anti-tech. There's something amazing about uh, a soldier in Afghanistan being able to watch his baby being born on Skype. You know, there's something amazing that we can get this good news out to so many people on the Ziegler podcast. The problem is there ain't enough good news, right? And the fact is, is that, We were created, we are God's special creation, and we were created with not only a God-shaped void, but a people-shaped void. God created us that way. He created us to need one another because we are his children, we are community. God lives in perfect harmony, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, perfect community, right? Right? And he created us to do the same thing, but right out of the gate, because the fact that we live in a fallen world, we, we we because of the sin of Adam and Eve, because uh, of their sin, uh, we inherited this fallen nature, this selfish nature. And again, we have to intentionally fight against that and... The the enemy would like nothing more than for us to be confused, divided, isolated, angry. It's a specific strategy. And man, he's got plans for you like you wouldn't believe. In fact, let's make uh, robots so intelligent that they'll do everything for you and you can just sit around on in utopia. No, God made you to have meaning in your life. And what meaning will there be if there's no work for you to do? And by the way, speaking of that, speaking of meaning, we have to have people in our life that can help us even discover our calling, to, to even discover our gifts. I can't see myself from the outside. I can't see... What I'm doing good, what I'm doing wrong. I need people around me to support me, to encourage me, to help me be accountable, to be the best version of myself. And that's why I'm involved with Zigler, because Zig told us. I was listening right before this uh, podcast that you know Zig was uh, you know talking about you know. Uh planes were made for flying and, and boats were made for, uh, ships were made for sailing and man was made, you know, for living. He's designed for accomplishment, engineered for success, endowed with the seeds of greatness. We're born to win. God don't make no junk, but we need each other to remind ourselves of that.
0: Thank you. Thank you for calling us to this, for giving us a, some steps and strategy to walk this out. I am uh, inspired to bolster myself even more for community. My work in my home everywhere. Howard, thank you for bringing us this vital message.
1: Thank you, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here today.
0: Friends, I hope you've just gotten a massive jolt to start now and up your investment in relationships and community your soul my soul all of our souls long for this kind of connectedness again you can get the power of community how phenomenal leaders inspire their teams wow their customers and make bigger profits at howard partridge partridg com slash community he's got some bonuses that go along with that of course you can also go get it wherever you purchase your books Coming up next in show 534, we bring you a guy with a massive community to talk about communities, Jonathan Fields. He's the host of the Good Life Project, which as of our interview was sitting at 60th in iTunes overall, all podcasts on planet Earth. He has distilled a good life into three primary buckets. And really the simplicity of his message, I think, is what is causing so many people to engage And it's literally spawned a movement. And we talk about that. We also talk about why the success of his podcast and his community and get into talking about how he has created this safe place where people open up. Really interesting. It was a great teaching time for me uh, in looking at this guy who is a, a peer in podcasting, but with a massively bigger audience than even we have here at The Ziegler Show. People are just drawn to Jonathan as I've been. I could have talked to him all day on this interview, nearly everything he said. I was fervently writing down to quote him on. So please do yourself a favor. Don't miss this show until then. Thank you folks for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.